It's official. The Business Operations Success Seminar is coming February 29, 2020. That's right. Boss 2020 is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 29th. Business owners, you cannot afford to miss this. This is not a pitch from the stage event. You'll hear from attorneys, bankers, wealth managers, CPAs, and more on how to properly form, run, profit, and exit your business. Learn how to secure funding, tax techniques of the wealthy, asset protection, and much more. Pre-sale tickets available now at boss-2020.eventbrite.com. Not in Dallas? You can still benefit. Boss 2020 will be streaming live. Buy your streaming ticket at boss-2020.eventbrite.com. For vendor and sponsor opportunities, dial 510-459-7732. Get behind the shield. services was mainly because of the certifications they have received. George and his crew have multiple certifications and I felt very comfortable in switching from my previous tax preparation company to his company. I have extreme confidence in my tax return this year. His attention to detail was amazing and I felt like nothing was going to be missed and with my job and being an independent contractor and being a, a private business owner there are so many pieces of the puzzle, and I didn't want any of those things to be missed. And believe me, I believe that they found it. Get behind the shield. Ready to begin your business? Should you be an LLC or a C corporation? How do you track the cost of goods versus operating supplies? What are your depreciable assets? Are you structured to obtain business credit? Not sure? Get a boss. An individual business operation success suite from Elite Eight Tax and Financial Services will position your business for success and avoid the pitfalls of startups. From registering with your state, operating agreements, bookkeeping, tax filings, and more, Elite Eight Tax and Financial Services can be your growth partner at every level of your business. Schedule your needs assessment today at www.elite8financial.com slash boss or by phone at 469-412-0056.
It's yeah. official. The business up. I think that the greatest value of using Elite Eight would be, uh, well, they took a look at the structure of my business and they decided that an S corporation would be best for me and, and uh, got that all set up for me. Uh, they also uh, was able to file all my taxes at the end of the year and they keep all my bookkeeping for me each month. And I think they did a really great job at it. I have confidence in the accuracy of my return because I've used Elite Eight in the past and I know that they do a great job and I look forward to them doing a great job in the future. I know they can only get better from here. Welcome to Boss Talk Radio, brought to you by Elite Eight Tax and Financial Services, with your host, George Dandridge. The Business Operation Success Suite is the premier business talk radio show, bringing you entrepreneurs and top business leaders across every industry, sharing best practices, success tips, and the real stories behind entrepreneurship. Here's your host, Look the Texas tax expert, Nobody George Dandridge. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Boss Talk Radio. I'm excited about today's show and really just the overall growth of the show, um, especially since the top of 2020. I want to thank all the guests that's been on so far and all that they've shared, all the knowledge uh, that they've shared uh, unselfishly. And I really hope that you guys are benefiting uh, from this and reaching out to these experts in their industries and really taking advantage of uh, the knowledge that they share. And we're going to keep that trend going with uh, today's show. Uh, our guest today is, I mean, the amount of knowledge that this person has, he should be a library in and of itself. But, um, you know, I was watching the news early this morning and another major retailer in America <laughs> is closing hundreds of stores and uh, ending thousands of jobs. You know, the highest level of those employees, they'll uh, get severance and things of that nature. But for everybody else, they're going to kind of rely on unemployment, savings, uh, cash and retirement, you know, things of that nature. And this is the part where it's, you know, where it's raining and those that saved are better off. But here's my question. How many times will this scene play out in this country before you decide to take ownership 
and not allow your fate to be in the hands of undisciplined corporate bigwigs. You know, now this is the part where somebody that lacks intestinal fortitude of self-accountability starts whining and says, but George, everybody isn't made to be a business owner. (laughs) And if you watched uh, our New Year's show, you know, uh, my tax brother Kamari Ellis told you guys how to get paid off the work of others, you know, using things like fractional ownership and whatnot. But you have to abandon your way of thinking and shift your paradigm about money for that to work. I uh, want to give a shout out to to my man Dave Anderson uh, on the launch of uh, Business Bully TV. And I don't know if you guys know Dave. Uh, he's a business coach that's been doing phenomenal things in the market. And I remember back when, you know, Dave wanted to save the world <laughs> and try to help everybody. And then he, I guess, eventually came to the realization that he couldn't allow his greatness to wait for everybody else to get it. See, you don't have to have Oprah money or Tyler money to make those types of decisions. I think Dame Dash is a, a Dash TV and something like that, you know, and, and Dave just decided, you know, and he told you guys maybe two or three years ago, like, don't believe me, just watch. And he's been killing the game, you know, but that's the epitome of ownership. His fate is not allowed to be affected by someone else's actions or inactions. No one else will decide if he eats. And that's what Boss is all about. Boss Talk is all about. The Business Operations Success Suite is here for you guys to give you not only the motivation, but the education to achieve your greatness. And it doesn't mean that you'll be an entrepreneur like myself or whatever, uh, it may mean, you know, buying pieces of stock here and there through the uh, Robin Hoods and things of that nature. But really for you guys to decide for yourself. And in order to do that, you have to figure out how to be your most authentic self. You know, um, I got a call. I think Sunday, it was Sunday, it was on my way to a Super Bowl party. I got a call from my son, my youngest son, and he said, Dad, you got a second? I am frustrated and confused. And so we had this conversation about his path uh, in college. And I don't know if you guys have been following me for a while. My son is into uh, video production and whatnot. Um, so last year, you know, uh, you would have seen me on his birthday, give him his sweatshirts with his company logo and his shoes with his, you know, image and everything on it. He lost his mind, you know, and the thing is, is that, you know, for, I couldn't, you know, obviously give him his company at the time, but that's, you know, his 18th birthday uh, gift or whatever. But it's this thing where it wasn't, you know, we all have this thing where some of us are guilty of trying to live vicariously through our kids. Uh, some of us have a thing where, you know, any and everything our kid jumps up and says they want to do, we're, you know, running to the store to make it happen. But you know your child. You know what their gifts are. You know what they're capable of. And when he first got into this thing, 
you know, like anything I do with my kids, they hate uh, some conversations because I always start with the saying, uh, what's the plan, you know, and if they don't have a detailed plan, I don't let them just run past me with some BS, you know, so what we did, uh, I, I watched him. I mean, he started with the YouTube thing and just he kept get coming with more and more information to the point I was like, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. But, you know, us dads, we got to be superheroes. So I call my man Chris Colbert. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Chris. He's a producer uh, down in New Orleans. He's worked in uh, L.A., worked on some different things. Uh, he's been in the business uh, for well over well over 25 years. Um so I said, hey, Chris, you know, my son's got this thing going on or whatever. You know, can you uh, give him some pointers, give him some advice, tell him what he should look into, this, that, and the other. And you had to see the look on my son's face when Chris started telling him about a guy he mentored that went on to become the director for the Black Panther. And he's looking at me like, damn, Pops is connected, <laughs> you know. But the flip side of that is that it increased his interest in not only doing that, but in having ownership of it. He got it real early. And so, like I was saying uh, last week, when you have a situation like a Kobe Bryant, where somebody knows at a young age what they want to do and commit to it, that's where you invest the energy and support, you know, so they can really do that. Um, so he called me and he's telling me about this uh, school. And he's like, ah, my grandmother's getting on me and my sister's getting on me. They want me to go to a four-year university and this and that and third and blah, blah, blah. But that's not what I want to do. I want to go to this uh, school that, you know, teaches you about production and so forth and so on. And, you know, most parents at this point would have kind of got bent out of shape and wanted to go the school route or whatever. But again, like I've watched him do this. I see how his heart glows behind getting into this or whatever. And I'm like, well, you know, hey, your, your mom, uh, your, your, your sister and your grandmother, you know, they had a path. They have a life and they were able to do what they want to do. You can't live life for them. So whatever you choose to do, I'm going to support it. He calls me back uh, Monday and he's like, hey, dad, I found the school in Dallas or whatever. Uh, can you take me out there or whatever? So forth and so on. Now, he doesn't know. I'm going to be looking into this school, getting information on it and really deciding if that's the best option, but I'm not going to discourage, you know, the way that he's going because he's in that uh, frame of mind, you know, and I really wish uh, all of my nieces and uh, my other kids, everybody just got it. That thing about, uh, about ownership or whatever, but that's that on that. I could beat that horse all day. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. So today, for those of you who are in business or think you have a business <laughs> or want to be in business, <laughs> um, you don't want to miss this segment because too often what happens is people jump off the porch, you know, and they think the extent of what they need to have a legitimate business is a business card. Or worse, two friends go into a business and they have the best intentions when they start this thing. 
um, and they've kind of decided what they're going to do or whatever, but they haven't really ironed out the details. And when the money comes, it causes problems, you know. So our guest today is going to tell you about contracts versus consequences. And um, what we're going to do is take a quick break. We're going to pay some bills. And when we come back, we're going to introduce you to our guest for today, Mr. Aaron Cartwright, manager of Cartwright LLP, uh, PLLC. We'll be back in just a moment. business owner struggling with wearing every hat from custodian to comptroller? Do you know all the local, state, and federal tax reports you have to file and when? Is your business positioned to leverage credit? You're best at what you do when you're doing what you were designed to do. At Elite 8 Tax and Financial Services, we're designed to support your business from conception to succession. Let us optimize your business for the best tax advantages, payroll, accounting, and even virtual CFO services. Our business operations success suite is tailored to your business to meet you where you are and help you grow by freeing you of the tedious back office requirements. See how we can customize a plan for you at www.elite8financial.com or call us at 469-412-0056. Get balls. Get behind the sheet. Every year, tens of thousands of Americans use do-it-yourself software to file their income taxes. While convenient, these tools lack what knowledgeable tax professionals bring to a tax return and open taxpayers up to a higher risk of IRS audits. Now you can have the convenience of do-it-yourself with the knowledge and security that licensed professionals bring to your tax matter. Elite 8 Tax and Financial Services handles tax matters for clients all across the United States through their secure portal at Elite8Financial.com. And now, for added convenience, you can use our new mobile app at Elite8.TaxWise.com. Get the experts. Get security. Get behind the shield. Elite 8 Tax and Financial Services.
So one of the questions was, how is our experience in comparison to, with, with Elite Eight in comparison to other tax professional services? I think I'll just kind of turn that over to my husband and what he would think. Being from the military services, doing it as I will always use a um, service, online service throughout the military. And one thing that I did like about it is not able to speak to someone live. And since I've been with Elite Eight, having that person live in front of me has been great in the world. If me and my wife had to recommend Lead Eight to a family and friend, one of the strong attributes would be confidence. As a leader in the United States military, I've always been confident. And my, since my post-retirement, when I'm utilizing a business, I want to make sure they're confident in their answers and their tax preparation. Get behind the shield. Welcome to Boss Talk Radio, brought to you by Elite 8 Tax and Financial Services, with your host, George Dandridge. The Business Operations Success Suite is the premier business talk radio show, bringing you entrepreneurs and top business leaders across every industry, sharing best practices, success tips, and the real stories behind entrepreneurship. Here's your host, the Texas tax expert, George Daniels. And we are back. Back in stride again. Without a further ado, we want to introduce you to uh, the phenomenal Boss 2020 speaker and the uh, host, and I don't want to say this wrong, so let me make sure I get it right. Uh, where are we at here? Municipal Money Monday is the uh, podcast, and uh, we encourage you guys to check that out. And uh, welcome to Boss Talk Radio, Mr. Aaron Cartwright. Good morning, sir. George, good morning. Uh, let's do a quick sound check. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me over there? I've been listening to you for the past 20 minutes. Sounds good. I saw you when you popped on the uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that goes to check out what was going on on the show. Yeah, it's a small world. Uh, one of my uh, groups that I'm in, uh, one of my colleagues uh, saw the advertising. She was like, that's my attorney, too. I was like, you got to be kidding. Small world. Uh, Latoya Owens, shout out to Latoya. Yes, I love Latoya. Latoya uh, is one of my favorite part. people. 
She was huh? like, here's the funny part. Like, she's been bragging on you for like two years before I even met you. So, you know, she never said she always said, my attorney, my attorney, my attorney. So when we met, it was actually somebody else that referred me uh, to you, you know, and we started doing our thing or whatever, but I didn't know you were her attorney. And every now and then in this group, you know, somebody talk about forms or uh, securing this or that. Uh, you should talk to my attorney. He, he, he's, you know, so she's been bragging on you for a very, very long time. And, you know, it says a lot when uh, people have these great things to say about you. It says a lot about your character, about your work, about what you do. Um, and I definitely appreciate you. You know, you've been uh, great to my, excuse me, myself, Elite Eight um, and Boss, and you know, have been a benefit to so many people. Just being able to call, even just recently, uh, it was a Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. Uh, uh, the party I was at, somebody was talking to me about some business venture and I, I just get excited about business, you know, and like for me, it has no boundaries of day and time. So he was telling me this stuff and I was like, huh, you know what? That's outside of my league, but I think I know somebody to do that. And I called you up and I thought I was going to leave a voicemail and you picked up, <laughs> you know, and you say, hey, you're probably talking to the only attorney and accountant that you can uh, get on nine o'clock on the Super Bowl Sunday, but we're here for it, you know. And so, uh, much. I appreciate you uh, always being there. And so, tell everybody a bit about your background and specialties and uh, what it is that you do. And My don't be modest this time. <laughs> don't be modest this don't time? Don't be modest okay, this well, time. Well, I'll try and be as cocky and arrogant, to, you know, as people tell me I am. Um, <laughs> but, no, I'm Aaron Cartwright. I'm the business securities and construction attorney. Uh, so what I do is anything uh, for the business side, I do in-in business stuff. So from startup uh, and formation all the way through, you know, contracts that you need, disputes that you may have with, you know, anybody that decides to come at you sideways to closing your business up. If you just want to wind it down, if you want to sell it off, you know, I can help structure that part. Uh, with regard to the securities component, uh, what I do is I tend to stick to private equity and hedge funds. Um, I help people put together deals. So if there's, you know, two or three people that want to get into real estate investing or something and, you know, Maybe people just don't trust each other, you know, as far as they can throw them. What I do is I help put together that deal so that when you wake up, you know that your money is where it should be. It's not going to go running off to a to uh, to somebody's account uh, that I make sure that there's, you know, the forms and the proper agreements in place to make sure that the relationship is defined so that, you know, if there's a dispute later on, you don't run into court and try to tell the judge, well, he said, well, he said, you know, I just, that doesn't work out. Uh, but I tend to help structure those deals to make that process easier for everyone. And with the construction law portion, uh, I represent a lot of contractors in court. I absolutely love litigation. It's, you know, my bread and butter and uh, the reason I wake up in the morning. But that part's just really fun. You know, you, you spend the time to build a business. Uh, somebody decides that they don't want to do something like pay you or somebody decides that they want to hold you responsible for something that you didn't agree to. And that starts to escalate. You call me and I, uh, I stick myself in the middle of it. Now, that's the like, you know, really cool part. People always ask me, well, uh, you know, 
what's the re- enrolled agent and why did you get into taxes and whatnot? And I always tell them, well, if you want the honest truth, despite the fact that I like helping people, I just really love arguing with the government. <laughs> Big Brother's that, probably see, to me on that that's why. That's why people come to you because I can't talk to the IRS. I can help everything <laughs> else out on the back end, but you, you enrolled agent types, y'all are the ones that y'all can actually show up in front of the tax man, and you know that's a that's a skill set in and of itself. Well, but you said you love litigation, and you know the thing is, is and it actually led right up to the next question I was going to ask you because oftentimes. Um, you know, and I, I get the logic behind it where new business owners, they want to have their dollar go as far as it possibly can. Um, and we do things now online that we would have never done 20 years ago. Um, and one of those things is forming businesses, you know, there's these online services that are so much less than what you or I would charge um, to do these things. But what I've found, and I don't like to uh, promote any other company by name and or say anything bad about another company, but it's obvious some of the ones we're discussing. But what I found is that people don't really understand what they're getting when they use those services. But more importantly, they don't understand what they're not getting. So what's some of the risk rewards to uh, using an online service versus an attorney, especially when there's more than one business owner? (laughs) So uh, I'll just call one of them, you know, by name, uh, Legal Zoom Rocket Lawyer. I'm not going to insult them. They have a business model; it works for them. I mean, in in this day and age, you know, there's there's a periodically there's a need for a low cost solution. If you are a sophisticated type uh, and you've done it before and you just need a quick uh, business setup, then by all means, feel free to use Legal Zoom. But uh, to answer your question, some of the things that you get, you know, with uh, with a live person as opposed to some of these sites is that, number one, whenever you come to, you know, me, uh, I don't charge a consultation fee. And so if you come to me with a business setup that you want to do, then I'm going to walk you through all of the entity structures that we can possibly uh, go through. And you can sit back and you can tell me exactly what it is that you're trying to do in the long run. So it's not just you know, today, tomorrow, next year, five years from now, it's how do you want to, you know, pass this along to your family if need be. So for instance, with something like a a series LLC, I don't know if LegalZoom and Rocket Lawyer do series LLCs, but you know, if if you're a real estate investor and you're buying properties, you know, and are you buying them, if you buy them under one LLC and somebody goes along and, you know, there's a, there's a nail hanging out, you know, there's an unfortunate event, somebody, somebody gets cut by the nail that's hanging out. Well, under one LLC, you know, you, when you get sued, because I can tell you what it's going to look like when you get sued, because I deal with these lawsuits, all of your assets, like all the assets of that company are subject to a judgment. And that includes all the assets that come from the other, you know, any other properties that you may have. 
Uh, so the legal zooms, the rocket lawyers, they don't sit down and they can't tell you that because they can't give you legal advice. And then as you decide that you want to pass that down to your family or you want to pass that off to your family, what does that look like? You know, do you want to just bring your son, daughter in, add them to the operating agreement? Now the company's theirs along with, you know, the tax burden that you, George, get to deal with. Or do you want to, you know, put that in a trust? If it's large enough, do you want to put that in a trust, have a property manager do it and then just let, you know, your children receive the revenues from, you know, what you built after you pass on? That's that's another thing that LegalZoom, Rocket Lawyer, the Internet services, they can't really give you that, you know, short to long term and after you're gone perspective. Do you guys already see the value that's coming to the Boss 2020 seminar. I mean, he that, that was the tip of the iceberg, you know. And if in that you didn't come away with the value of hiring an attorney versus using these. And the same thing applies to, you know, when it comes to uh, tax matters. Um, there is an audience. There is a group that that business model serves but for many of you that's trying to save that dollar you're costing yourself way more because you're missing out on so much you know so you know i'm one of those people i believe in uh Corporate mission statements, uh, policies, uh, procedures, and most most importantly, prevention. Um, you know, and I see many small businesses skip all of those steps. They decided on a service they want to provide, and they're off to the races. And they're more concerned about the quality of their business card or the appearance of their website then they are all of these formalities. Give us some one of the more tragic incidents that you've come across when something like this happens and uh, the, the litigation hits the fan. <laughs> So it's this is this is one of those situations where an ounce of prevention like more than outweighs a pound of cure. And I can, you know, give you that, you know, just based on my prices alone. So you come to me to register an LLC. You know, I'm going to charge you three hundred dollars for the state, three hundred dollars for me. Well, let's say that you're a contractor. I've had a contractor um, in this particular situation before. Very unfortunate and also not uncommon. But what happens is, you know, you're a contractor uh, or you're a person, you've got you've got a thing that you do and that's what you know how to do. And you're not terrible at it. You're, you know, probably really good at it. Well, you go out and you engage with the market and you're, you know, out there doing your contracting thing. You know, you go out and you say, OK, I don't want to spend the three hundred dollars to do it myself, three hundred and fifty dollars to do it with LegalZoom or six hundred dollars to do it with Aaron. I'm just going to file a twenty five dollar DBA with the state of Texas. OK. Well, a DBA doesn't actually protect you from anything. You and your company are the same entity. All right. So you go out as a contractor, you engage with the market. Somebody decides that they want to sue you. Well, let's say that you were only going to be making, you know, $3,000 on a $15,000 job, right? Well, all of a sudden, lawsuit rolls down, rolls down the line. They're claiming that, you know, you did something wrong. You harmed them. You know, they, some, some part of their home wasn't usable. 
you know, whatever it is that they uh, can come up with to justify in their petition. Well, they sue you and the amount of the judgment that, are, that they're asking for is $20,000 plus attorney's fees. Or they throw something like the Deceptive Trade Practices Act violation out there, which allows them treble damages. So what was a $15,000 job, $15, job for you that you were only making $3,000 on now turns into a $45,000 problem. And that's before attorney's fees. Okay. Well, if you're in an LLC, then, or if you're in an LLC or really any corporate structure at all, you know, you spent the $300 with the state of Texas to register your business. Now you're protected. Okay. And what I mean by that is that when they sue you, they, the liability stops with the company. So let's say that you, the only money that you have left is your $3,000 that you made because $12,000 went to your labor and material, right? Well, whenever you get me to go over and negotiate with opposing counsel or the opposing party, what I can say is congratulations, you know, because there was no fraud here, it was just something that, you know, your client is saying was a bad job. All the liability stops with the company, so you can't go after my client's personal assets, okay? So if you had a house that your parents gave you when they passed along, um, three cars, like you were married, so the judgment-proof statutes say that you can have one car per driving-age adult in your house, well, you've got two cars, you know, you and your wife or husband or whatnot, and you've got a motorcycle. Well, they can come after the motorcycle in the judgment, right? If you've just got a DBA, if you've registered the LLC, then they can only come after whatever assets are left in the company. And for a lot of people, that's not a lot at all. Like there's practically nothing there. You know, at that point in time, you're in a much better position because even if you lose the lawsuit, there are two parts to a lawsuit. The first part is winning. The second part is collecting. If they can't sue you personally, the only thing they can do is uh, go after the assets of the company. And if there's nothing there, they're stuck with zero dollars. Um, but back to kind of the beginning of this here, you spend money to create the uh, corporation or the business wherever you're going to corporate or wherever you're going to create it through. And that cost that you have to pay up front saves you from having to pay a litigator like me fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars just to start the case. A couple thousand dollars more for discovery, a couple thousand dollars more for trial and then an extra thousand dollars, you know, for mediation and the way it goes. I mean, it gets expensive uh, or it can get expensive versus you just being able to tell them, hey, you know, I registered my business. I've maintained the corporate formalities. You can sue me all you want, but there's nothing there. Amazing uh, information. And, you know, uh I had a situation where someone called me about um, they didn't position themselves for success, basically, and they were about to enter this agreement, uh, but knew that the company would only engage them if they were some sort of a formal entity, uh, but they were in a, one of those states where it's a much lengthier process, and so they were going to be walking away from the table with the check and they were like, well, can we do a DBA and then later convert to this? And then I was like, mm, I don't think that's a good idea, but more importantly, um, you don't have an attorney and you're about to go sit, you know, you're going to go and sit down and try to hash out this deal. And you know, what you're concerned with is whether or not you can cash this check right away. 
you're not like thinking through that clearly and I think you're going to run into some problems. I really suggest you uh, call an attorney right away. And they weren't in the state uh, that you service. And I didn't know anyone there. I was like, but yeah, you need to uh, reach out and uh, call an attorney right away, which actually leads right up to my next question. So, you know, again, in the mindset of savings and trying to stretch a dollar, I see a lot of people try to write up their own agreements and whatnot when they're engaging uh, in business. <laughs> you don't use your face inside voice, your facial expressions. I don't, I don't have a poker face. <laughs> I don't have a poker face. I react and people <laughs> sit in front of clients like they know, they know, they know they've messed up, but don't worry, I'm here to help. <laughs> Well, you know, they do this and they don't use, um, you know, they use a lot of layman's terms and whatnot. And I was once uh, recently in a very uh, passionate debate. And I would like to see if you can put this thought process to rest. So there's this thought process. I can't call it fallacy yet because I could be wrong. But there's this thought process in the market that you don't need to engage an inter attorney in uh, fairly simple agreements when it's not involving trust or whatever. It's just, you know, business to business. And the reason being is because the spirit of the contract will hold up in court. And I thought to myself, that's the most flummoxed thing I've ever heard. Because if that other person shows up with a pit bull attorney, he's going to eat through this thing that you just wrote up that you didn't know anything about. But is there any truth to that? Is the spirit of a contract enough to carry you through uh, litigation? No. <laughs> uh, so that there is a there is a common. There is a common misconception. I wouldn't call it a misconception, okay? But um, so one of the things that I frequently tell people, and this is going to sound terrible, okay? But one of the things that I frequently tell people is that there is judges are imperfect people, juries are imperfect people, attorneys are imperfect people. Um, sometimes you get worse than imperfect people. You get people who will deliberately attempt to mislead, okay? So as far as spirit of a contract, you know, goes, that works out well and good if everybody, you know, has an agreement of what's going on. But what I like to tell people is that assume that the person on the opposite side of you is going to lie. Like 100% of the words that are coming out of their mouth will be absolute lies. The person that you see sitting on the stand talking to the judge is not the same person that you were dealing with in a business the day before. Okay. so. One of the things that you need to be or that people need to be aware of is that when you go up to a court, because the judge and the juries are imperfect people, you've got he said versus she said, you know, and the judge is going to be like, OK, well, they're going to look for several things. They're going to look for the course of dealings. They're going to look for receipts. They're going to look for transactional history. They're going to look for anything on paper that's solid that will tell them what the actual parties agreed to okay and so as far as putting things down you know in a clear way of understanding that actually works so number one good for putting it down on paper that is absolutely excellent that's what you should be doing 
Um, there are a couple of elements to a contract. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to make sure, oh my God, I can't think of it right now. George, I'm blanking on your show. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, okay, offer acceptance consideration. All right, so the contract itself should show that there is an intention between both people to agree that both people are going to do something. Okay, that's usually evidenced by the writing itself. The consideration that's in between it or that's in the contract is what am I giving you? What are you giving me? Most of the time it's money for a service or money for a good. Uh, sometimes it could be an exchange of services. I've written barter contracts before it, it works out. Um, but yeah, most of the time there's some, both parties are doing something for each other. Um, and then the other thing that you would need is acceptance. Okay. And so that's when both parties sign the agreement. Where people start getting in trouble is when they will pull contracts off the internet that they aren't fully aware of that bind them to things that they don't know about, okay? Uh, my most favorite example of this are arbitration clauses. Arbitration clauses are all the rage, okay? Whenever you find a contract on the internet, nine times out of 10, my made-up statistic, you're gonna find an arbitration clause, okay? And so what an arbitration clause is, uh, an arbitration is separate from, yes, templates aren't solutions. Uh, templates are great guidelines, but you should pay attention to what exactly it is that's in there. But to the arbitration, um, an arbitration clause, basically arbitration is a court system that's outside of the court system. So you are buying a judge and that judge is the one that's hearing your case. Okay, And this is something that people will agree to in a template contract without ever actually knowing what's going on there. Well, because it's outside of the regular court system, the fines are far higher. So you're paying your attorney's time. There's a chance that you can have costs assessed against you. And the arbitration judge himself will start at anywhere between $1,500 and $2,000 and then go up from there. Because everything that you do, or not everything that you do, but frequently you will have to have the judge make decisions and the judge is going to call or the judge is going to charge you $350 to $500 plus an hour. So these are the type of things that uh, people should be aware of whenever they just start grabbing templates. But as far as losing myself here, uh, maybe I talk too much, but... Um, will the spirit of the contract hold up? Not generally. Okay. You want to make sure that there's something on paper. You want to make sure that, you know, it's clear what each party is agreeing to. If there's something that you don't understand, don't agree to it. I've grabbed templates off the internet before, modified them. If there was something that I didn't understand or that wasn't needed, I just pulled it out. Cause at the end of the day, the court's only going to enforce what's in front of them. So let me ask this question. Um, when you, you were talking about the arbitration agreements, um, and I've only set in those type of settings um, when I was an employee for a company or whatever. But based on what you were saying, is that to suggest that, I mean, it almost sounds as if the company that provided the arbitration agreement essentially has already paid for the decision from the judge almost. Am, am I, you know, am I about right on that? I mean, it almost sounds like you automatically lose. You, know? you have really good instincts with regard, with regard to what you just said. So that is 
I'm not going to say because I would not I would never, you know, impugn the reputation of a judge that I didn't, you know, know personally. And even then, like imperfect people are imperfect people. Um, but there is a lot of times where it's possible for you to get forced into an arbitration agreement where let's say the, the party on the side is a larger, more well-established company that's used to dealing with those types of things. They know a judge that judge knows them. And I'm not going to say that that usually leads to a more favorable decision, but, you know, people know each other. More favorable decision. Humans are imperfect. I'm not going to say that there's bias, but if I know one person and I don't know the other person, I mean, if I have, if the other person has, you know, at least a character for truthfulness, I might be inclined to believe them before I believe this other side. And it's all about how the argument gets spun. Uh, But there are things that you can do to avoid that. So you can say, all right, well, um, you guys are going to pick an arbitrator or you guys are going to pick an arbitration judge. I'm going to pick an arbitration judge. And then together, our arbitration judges are going to pick a third arbitration judge. The only requirement is that they that that third arbitration judge hasn't worked with either party. Okay, so there are some controls that you can put on there. You can split the costs. Uh, Usually, you know, people want to split the cost. Sometimes there's an instance where one company just has more money, so they pay for it. But then again, I mean, they're also maybe paying for somebody that they've used before. Uh, But yeah, you can split the cost so that the judge and the arbitration people know or the arbitration setup knows that uh, it's not coming from just one side. So not only one side is paying the bill here. But so, you just don't want to get roped into something like that without knowing exactly what's going on anyway. It's better for larger companies, not for smaller ones. And that's what I was going to ask because I see a lot of uh, times where, um, you know, smaller companies and as we were just saying, you know, they are, they're trying to save this money. And I've seen them use abstract uh, NDAs and, um, and arbitration agreements that they've kind of pulled offline and I don't think they're really aware of what it is they're getting themselves into. And so from a, say a contracting standpoint, someone that's coming on to the company to provide a particular service or whatever, is it really even in their best interest to sign that agreement in advance of the job? And if so, um, is it better for them to make the attorney investment of reviewing that arbitration agreement before, I mean, c- c- taking their mind off the check that they may get, you know, and thinking, hey, something could happen. So with that one, I, w- I, would, I wouldn't tell people, you know, like you need an attorney for everything because we do get expensive. Um, but what I would, what I would urge is, have a threshold. Um, so if you're if you're in a contract to deliver, you know, four hundred dollars worth of cupcakes, are you going to come pay an attorney, you know, two hundred two hundred and fifty dollars to review your contract for the delivery of four hundred dollars worth of cupcakes? No, that eats into your profits. You know, you've got you've got nothing left uh, at the end of that point in time. Um, if you're about to sign a three-year lease where you're paying, you know, fifteen hundred dollars a month, and you, you know, are a first-time business owner, yeah, maybe you want to, maybe you want to have somebody look that over just to kind of give you an assessment of what's going on. Because if your business fails in the first year and you have to try and exit that lease, you may very well be on the hook for 
the remaining 24 months of the lease and you want to know, okay, is this going to arbitration? Is this going to mediation? Is there a liquidated damages clause in there? Like what else, what else is in here? So it just establish a threshold of how much can I pay out of pocket before it starts to hurt, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so maybe $1,500, I'm throwing out an arbitrary number, but you know, just based on the type of business that you have under this amount, we're going to, uh, under this amount, we're going to keep it uh, super simple, not involve a lawyer. Over this amount, we're at least going to want to give somebody a call and see what they say. Gotcha. So tell us a little bit about Municipal Money Mondays. Give me one second. Let me fix something on my phone here. Uh, municipal Money Monday. So... One of the things that I do, and this is this is just kind of like a it's a project that I started because I found out that I really enjoyed this area of law uh, because I deal with a lot of construction contractors. Um, obviously, I have uh, people who want to get connected to government contracts. Right. Well, as the attorney, you know, it's my job to understand those connections, much like yourself, George. Uh, it's our job as professionals to be connected. You know, if you've got a problem, come to me there's a likelihood I know someone that can help you solve your issue. And I mean, we can just send you right to that person. You know, it's vetted and whatever. Uh, but I wanted to be the person that contractors would come to whenever it came down time to finding government contracts. So I went to uh, a couple of different classes, met with some of the people in the contracting department in uh, Dallas, Irving, a couple of other cities, Shout out to Laura Hurtado and Deborah McVeigh. I absolutely love them both. They are wonderful and amazing people, and they know so much about how to get involved with the city contracting. Uh, and they taught me. So what I now do is I go through and I review 60 different cities in the North Texas area every week. I'm pretty late this week. I might get around to that today, hopefully. But uh, I review 60 cities. And I go through and I check their procurement departments. So I know within seven days, usually when a new contract pops up. Uh, and what I do is I get on Facebook and I talk about it for, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, just telling people what's available in which city in the 60 cities that I review. Well, people can then, since it's public information, you can, you know, go to the city of Frisco's procurement website and figure out how to get on there. Uh, for yourself, or you can drop by my office, pick up the phone and give me a call, and I can help you with the the paperwork, the legal side, the back end, you know, all the things that you have to fill out and just the understanding that you would need in order to submit this bid. Really, all you have to do is just quote the job and I handle the rest. Um, but yeah, every single week I try and do this just to kind of help putting money in people's pockets because I mean, yes, attorneys can get expensive, but if I'm helping you put money back in your pocket before you actually need me, you know, you get on a hundred thousand dollar contract, you're going to be kind of happy to pay my fees at that point in time if they're needed. You know, I, I tell people this all the time when it comes to the hiring of professionals, whether it's enrolled agency, PAs, attorneys, uh, wealth managers, uh, bankers, etc. The true professionals are going to provide value in such a way that you won't miss what you pay them because it's going to come right back to you, you know, in some uh, way, shape or form, even if it's like what you said earlier, uh, just prevention. So I've been finding that 
this conversation is coming up a lot lately uh, with the uh, promotion of opportunity zones and uh, hub and things of that nature. Um, you deal with this a lot more frequently, though. What are a few things that small to mid-sized businesses should do to position themselves to obtain government contracts and how should they go about it? So this I know I know that I'm on your show and I'm not trying to deliberately plug either you or I. But for anyone paying attention, you need a law guy. You need a money guy. And you need both of those because you have to come correct for the municipalities, for any government entity. All of your I's have to be dotted. All of your T's have to be crossed. You know, if there if there's some financial stuff in your books that you need to clean up, get it cleaned up. Uh, you need to definitely have your entity ready. Um, so you need to have your entity ready to go. If you don't have that before you start looking at contracts, you're already behind the ball on that. What else? So the other thing is that you your timeline needs to be a little bit longer than what you may ordinarily think. Municipalities, government entities, they don't move at the same speed as regular corporations and regular individuals do. It's a lot slower. Uh, so number one, this shouldn't be your first project. Number two, you are going to need a way to fund or finance yourself because government pays on net 30. Every and usually they'll request a you know uh, a request for payment every thirty days. So if you do work, you know you stick a shovel in the ground on January first, you don't get to send that request for payment until January thirty first, and then the government has until February twenty eighth or 29th, whichever one it is that year or thirty days after to pay you. So if you don't have enough money to get from January first to February twenty ninth, March first, whatever. You, th that's not the type of contract that's for you. Also, your perspective has to be your perspective has to be in line with what's there. So, larger government contracts, smaller companies won't get a part, won't get that entire thing. But what you you know need to be doing is you need to be reaching out, you need to be networking because you've got prime contractors, you've got other larger, more established organizations. Sorry, I keep turning my head because it looks like I'm tilted in my camera here. Um, but network with larger contracts network with the people in the purchasing in the purchasing departments at the cities they are such an amazing resource uh but get to know the people that are playing in these arenas so when this opportunity comes up you're better situated to take advantage of it also uh on that note there are ways so let's say that there's something that you want um let's say that you Let's say that you are a caterer. I'll use a very, I'll use a super small business like uh, catering. So you're a catering company and you just want a government contract. Well, a government contract for a catering company is going to be something like delivering sandwiches to a prison. That's what, that's one of the contracts that came up in Dallas at one point in time. Um, so you're going to be delivering sandwiches to the jail. Well, First of all, you need to be networking with the people who are in that purchasing area so that you know when that contract is likely to come back up. OK, when you know when the expiration period is on the current contract and when the new one is likely to be reissued, what you can do is you can send out a public information request or uh, that public yeah, public information request or open records request. There we go. You send out an open records request. What you're doing is you're telling the city, I want to see what the contract, what contract you signed the last time this opportunity was available. 
And so if you if they if they signed a contract saying like, okay, we need five hundred sandwiches a month, we're paying you know two dollars a sandwich, so we'll pay you you know a thousand dollars each month. Now you know, okay, if I'm going to go after that contract, I know what type of I know what type of price range I'm going to be competing with. Can I produce a sandwich for less than two dollars, or are my sandwiches high end and they require two fifty? You know, if they're if they're high end and you require two fifty a sandwich, but the government's only paying two dollars, maybe that's not the type of contract that you want. But if there's a sandwich that you can produce for under two dollars and still make money, maybe that's something that you want to look into. But then you'll be able to better prepare. But again, that goes back to the networking, getting to know the people in the space, and really understanding what it is that the government looks for in some of their contracts. Now you mentioned that it did shouldn't I that be. Question, or did I wander all over the place? No, you, you really did. Um, you really answered it. But um, to go a little bit deeper into that thing, one of the things you mentioned, you said uh, it probably shouldn't be your first uh, project. Um, and you also spoke to networking um, and really getting to know people inside of the purchasing department and whatnot. But one part that you kind of went past really fast uh, was talking about networking with some of, if you're a smaller company, um, maybe networking with the larger contractors because, um, and I've recently come across this, I had no idea this market was uh, that big, but there's a lot of big companies that get these contracts and part of the contract is that they have to hire so many smaller companies to provide a part of the service. Um, how do you recommend or propose that business owners go about connecting with those, for lack of better words, captains of industry uh, and taking themselves out of the box, you know, because like you just said, when it comes to, the caterer, I know a lot of people to do catering will think, you know, I want to do deal with wedding planners and things, but not thinking, hey, people in jail have to eat, <laughs> you know. Um, nice, how, good, guaranteed pay schedule, too. Right. So how can people really, like, um, find or get to those uh, captains of industry beyond those gatekeepers and train themselves to think out of the box to uh really kind of understand that you may have a service that's applicable to something within this grand scheme you know i first saw this uh down in new orleans on the on the movie sets it was amazing i mean it's not a government contract but it was kind of like the same thing these production companies would hire so many different entities on the set and this is all of these credits you see going up at the end of the uh, films that we don't sit around for but it was just amazing how much money was floating around so when you know i'll tell you guys when they say a movie costs you know 50 60 million <laughs> to produce it's not just the cars that are blowing up <laughs> you know these are like it's real the for the actors <laughs> It's, it's a are lot of services being provided. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of services. So, so what do you recommend? How do, should people move about that and uh, try to get that accomplished? Okay, so there there are two approaches that I could recommend to that one, okay? And it, it it's all very 
industry specific. So, uh, but the first thing that you have to do is you have to start talking. You have to start asking questions. George, if they're asking you, what do I need to do? You know, if, they, if you bring them to me and they ask me what it is that they need to do, like, you know, we can let them know what it is that they need to do, but I don't know who you are if you don't show up at my doorstep. Like, it's mm-hmm. that simple. Okay, there's Showing a lot. Showing up is 50% of everything. I keep Absolutely. telling people this. No one is going to knock on your door and say, hey, is there a business owner here that would like to be successful? <laughs> Absolutely. Because uh, and one of the kind of just side story on that one is that, you know, you you run into a people. I think you may have run into this yourself, but people who will go out and say, "Okay, well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to put my wife on this as a 51 percent owner of the business, you know, because I heard that, you know, like if it was a woman owned (laughs) business, then that opens up more opportunities. Well, then they don't know what those opportunities look like. Like that's Mm -hmm. when you need to start reaching out and asking questions. What does this do for me? You know, what are the benefits mm-hmm. of having this uh, having this done this way? Um, but yeah, so that's a completely separate subject. But yeah, the two approaches for getting out. Okay, so and this these are very industry specific. But on larger projects, what you will have are things called pre bid meetings. Okay, so if you're doing a ten million dollar road construction project, there is going to be a pre bid meeting. And at some of those pre-bid meetings will be mandatory. Okay, so if you find a mandatory pre-bid meeting, um, and it's and there's something that has to do with your industry in there, go to it. And the reason that you're going to go to it is because in there are going to be massive companies with their little one representative, and then you can just ask them and say, "Hey, do you use subcontractors on this job?" Okay, and I'll give you a specific example on this one. So for for road construction. Road construction is usually a multi-million dollar job, right? But within road construction, you've got a lot of individual components. So you've got your your saw cut guy who's cutting the concrete. You know, you've got your demolition guy who's pulling it away. You've got your, uh, like obviously you've got your architects, your engineers, but you've got your plumbers, you've got your guys who are relocating your city uh, utilities. You have your landscapers, okay? Because the sidewalks and the medians, those have to be taken care of. I mean, cities put a lot of money into growing some of those trees that you see on the side of the road or in the middle of the road. Sometimes they don't want those trees destroyed. So what do they have to do? They have to hire a landscaper to come in and pull those trees out. Well, landscaping, sorry to say it, it doesn't require a whole lot of major investment, okay? So you've got a crew, a truck, and the right equipment you know, it's there is a high likelihood or not a high likelihood, but there is a likelihood that you could get a part of a multi-million dollar contract just because you have the equipment and the people that uh, know how to get a tree out of the ground without completely destroying it. Mm-hmm. OK, uh, so, again, way number one to get out there and start meeting these people is through the pre-bid meetings. All right. So a large construction company is going to be wanting to sub out some of the stuff they're not going to handle tree trimming or they're not going to handle tree removal or they're not going to handle flower beds, but the city's paying $50,000 to have flower beds placed on their median. So that's something that you want to look into. You know, the larger company will throw that off because it's like, we're getting $10 million on this deal. $50,000 is changed. So go get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's way number one. Way number two is kind of a, it's a, it's a modified joint venture structure. Don't worry about that terminology, but what you're doing (laughs) is you're partnering up with someone who's got a larger 
capacity than you do. Okay. And some of the ways that I've seen this done are in smaller projects, like smaller pieces of projects. Uh, there was a garment producer uh, I knew at one point in time, uh, or somebody who does like logos on shirts and stuff. Well, police departments need that stuff all the time. Wow. So what you do there is if you're in the industry, you know, there may not be a pre-bid meeting with that, but what you do is if I'm only able, if I, if my capacity is only 200 shirts a month, or, you know, I can, I know people that I can only get this deal right here. Well, I can't produce on an order for 2000 to 4,000 shirts in under 30 or 40 days. Like, I can't do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But what I do have for my, or what I do have going for myself are my uh, DBE certifications, which is your disadvantaged business entity or whatnot, you know, minority owned, uh, woman owned, small business, SBA certified and all that. Well, you know, somebody else, right? So you sit there and you tell them, look, I'm going for this contract. We need to produce 4,000 shirts in a month. I can only produce 200. Okay, I know that you can produce 6,000 shirts in a month. I'm going to go get the contract, but I need you to basically sign on with me so that we together can get this. You know, you'll be paid for 3,800 shirts a month. I'll be paid for 200 shirts a month, you know, and people might say something like, oh, well, you know, that wouldn't exactly be fair. You have to think about the fact that Mm -hmm. a small contract, a small city contract for a small business is a lot larger than what people think. Like mm-hmm. if you're doing flower beds and you do two thousand dollars a you know two thousand dollars a job for a corporate flower bed, a city comes to you and says, "Hey, we've got fifty thousand dollars worth of flower beds that need to be placed." Yes, you're only getting fifty thousand dollars on a ten million dollar job, but it's fifty thousand dollars on one customer as opposed to everything else. So on the t-shirt thing, it's Instead of your ordinary five, six, you know, 10 custom or 10 shirt order, you're getting 200 shirts and you get a guaranteed payment because cities have to pay government entities. So they're obligated to pay. There will never be a question of payment as long as you produce on it. Right. So that's huge for smaller businesses. So just to recap, because I know I'm long winded. Uh, way number one is you go to the pre-bid meetings and you start meeting the larger contractors and you follow up with them. You have to follow up with them because you're not the only one in this industry. Uh, Way number two, you look for larger partners in your industry that, you know, they're not going to show up on a pre-bid meeting, but you want to be able to list them next to you whenever you're writing your proposal so that you're you're together. Y'all have the capacity to give the city what it is that they want. (laughs) Wow. Hey. The value of Boss Talk Radio, if you're not, you know, taken away from this, I, I don't know what you're doing with your life, <laughs> you know. Hey, um, Aaron, that was incredible uh, information. And uh, you can see Aaron also at the Boss 2020 seminar. If you think uh, he gave you some game today, wait till we unleash him on stage. Uh, you can get tickets for... When anybody the, uh, can ask anything. <laughs> right, because we're also going to have the uh, the panel um, after, uh, after all the speakers. So if you guys uh, haven't bought your tickets uh, today, uh, yet the information for... Uh, sponsorship and everything is at the bottom of the screen and you can buy tickets at boss-2020.eventbrite.com. 
Facebook.com. Uh, if you missed the pre-sale tickets, um, I don't know what to tell you. I waited to bring uh, the speakers on. Next week, we're going to have uh, a couple of other Boss 2020 speakers. We're going to have uh, uh, Jillian uh, Verdon, and we're also going to have Johans uh, Harrison because uh, this is the month of money. And so we're going to tell you how to get the money, how to protect the money, you know, and uh, how to invest the money. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Aaron, thank you very much for uh, coming on. I know you have a very busy schedule. Um, <laughs> and hopefully uh, none of our audience. Lawsuit this morning. <laughs> hopefully none of our, our, our uh, audience has to see you on the opposite side of the courtroom. <laughs> Get me before the other side does. Thank you for that, George. I'm going to use that one as my corporate motto now. Get me before the other side does. And tell them how to get you. Tell them how to uh, how to get you if they need an attorney uh, in the tex in the state of Texas. Gotcha. If y'all need an attorney in the state of Texas, my email is Aaron A A R O N at E A C Lawyer dot com. Uh, my phone number is 214-789-1354. That line comes directly to me. Although I may have to you know pass them off to my assistant to get us scheduled at some point in time. Um, and then y'all can follow me on Facebook. The Facebook tag is a little bit long, but it's E. Aaron Cartwright, the third attorney at law PLLC. But if you just search for Aaron Cartwright, you know, you pull up that business page. It's the one where I'm in a nice suit. You don't get me in a nice suit unless I'm in court. <laughs> yeah. So when you see Aaron in a suit, you know, uh, if, if he's not on your side, you have problems. <laughs> there, there will be issues. <laughs> Thank you again for uh, joining us, uh, Aaron, and we look forward to hearing much more from you at the Boss 2020 uh, seminar. Indeed. Thank you, George, for inviting me, and I look forward to seeing you all on February 29th. All right. Thank you, Aaron. All right. Thank you guys for uh, um, joining another episode of Boss Talk Radio. Again, if you need tickets for the Boss 2020 seminar, you can get those at, uh-oh, it sounds like my mic went out here. There we go. So if you need tickets for the uh, Boss 2020 seminar, you can get those at boss-2020.eventbrite.com. And uh, go and subscribe to our YouTube channel and check out our Boss Motivation uh, series as well. Uh, it's all about your health, happiness, and self-actualization as a business owner. Uh, until next time, you are tuned in to Boss Talk Radio with your host, George Dandridge. We'll see you guys soon. It's official. 
The Business Operations Success Seminar is coming February 29, 2020. That's right, Boss 2020 is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 29th. Business owners, you cannot afford to miss this. This is not a pitch from the stage event. You'll hear from attorneys, bankers, wealth managers, CPAs, and more on how to properly form, run, profit, and exit your business. Learn how to secure funding, tax techniques of the wealthy, asset protection, and much more. Pre-sale tickets available now at boss-2020.eventbrite.com. Not in Dallas? You can still benefit. Boss 2020 will be streaming live. Buy your streaming ticket at boss-2020.eventbrite.com. For vendor and sponsor opportunities, dial 510-459-7732. Get behind the shield.